0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Miftah myself Abdullah Wahid as your host and Sheikh Mufti Abdul Wahab as your co-host. Uh, we welcome you everyone that's joining us from all across the world. Um thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. Um your prayers Alhamdulillah, inshallah, tonight we have a, a very special program. We have Sheikh Abdullah Uduru, who will be joining us from Dallas, Texas. Very prominent scholar in the uh, Dallas community area. He's also a scholar uh, with the Yaqeen community, with the Yaqeen team. He does a great, great lectures in the Ramadan series and post Ramadan series. I used to watch him before, I got to know more about him in the last few months during COVID. Because finally, alhamdulillah, people like him are are forced to get exposed on social media. So we're fortunate that he will be joining us. And we also have a very beautiful reciter, Sheikh Barkatullah. He is a a Munshid uh, artist who recites beautiful Urdu poetry. He will be joining us tonight. Um, So we're going to have a very special program. Uh, Again, I always have to ask the same question. Whenever I go live, I hope you guys are safe wherever you are. And uh, you and your family are always in our prayers, especially during this COVID pandemic. A lot of people have been hurt and affected by this. And our prayers out to all of them, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives shifa and quick recovery to all those who are sick. And he gives maghfirah to all those who have passed away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unite us with our loved ones in Firdos al-Ala in the highest levels of Jannatul Firdos. So, brothers and sisters, as we see this situation of life, it is what it is. And we're just so fortunate to be Muslims, even, even in these difficult times. وَلَى وَلَى we're so fortunate that in these difficult times, there is something to go back on. There is prayer, there is uh, recitation of the Quran. So may ask Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala to embed in our lives the value of this khair and all the good that is coming uh, in our life. May Allah continue to shower upon us and shower upon all of you who are listening from all across the country, all across the world. Um, I see a very familiar names, very, uh, familiar names with on the chat, and the chat is live, so I get to see your comments. Uh, Lev, I love it when people are engaging with us.
1: Uh, I think Sheikh Abdullah's internet was a little weak. So we'll, we'll just let him get that connected. And uh, inshallah, we'll start with Sheikh Barakatullah. Uh, inshallah, with the Nasheeds that we're supposed to have today. Assalamu Alaikum Tulamah.
2: Walaykum Asalaamu Alaikum.
1: Yes, Ibn <laughs> Khayyat. How are you?
2: Alhamdulillah. How are you?
1: Alhamdulillah. So uh, Sheikh Barakatullah is actually. From Michigan, and he also work, works with us and teaches at our full-time school, Michigan Islamic Institute. And but he has a, a very unique talent, which is you know to be able to recite poetry in um, in multiple languages. One of them being Urdu, another one is Bangla, and Arabic. So uh, we'll try to get as much as we can out of him. You know, get our bang for the buck. Uh, but inshallah, he'll start with something. Ronan, you start with something in Urdu.
2: Inshallah inshallah. inshallah,
1: inshallah आप, originally I'm Bangladesh.
2: GG Bangladesh.
1: Where did you study? Uh finish uh
2: finished alim, alim course from the Pakistan. Masha. And then uh, you came here. Yeah, you come I'm come uh, from Pakistan to Bangladesh 2007. Masha. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless you and
1: protect you and the family. You can start, inshallah, with the first Urdu Nasheed, inshallah.
2: Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa wa rahmatullahi wa 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 और मैं नशीद जो पढ़ने जा रहा हूं नते रसूल सल्लल्लाहु अलैहि वसल्लम तो रिक्वेस्ट करूंगा जो आशिक रसूल है रसूल से जो मोहब्बत रखते हैं सल्लल्लाहु अलैहि वसल्लम दिल के संग से सुनेंगे इंशाल्लाह चलिए शुरू करता हूं
3: जहाँ रोज़े पाके ख़य़रुल वरा है, वो जन्नत नहीं है तो फिर और क्या है? कहाँ में कहाँ ये मदीने की गलियाँ? ये किस्मत नहीं है तो फिर और क्या है जहां रो पाके है वो जन्नत नहीं है तो फिर और क्या है? कहां मैं कहां आई मदीने की गलियां ये किस्मत नहीं है तो फिर और क्या है मोहम्मद के मत को क्या पूछते हो के वो साहिबे काबा को सेनेटे रे के अजमत को क्या पूछते हो ke wo sahibe कबा को ko senete re bashar ki sare arshi mehman nawazi ye بشر کی سری عرش مہمانوازی یہ عظمت نہیں ہے تو پھر اور کیا ہے جو کو अपने छुपाले जो दुश्मन को भी जख्मों कर दे जो को कमीले अपने छुपाले जो दुश्मन को भी जख्मों करे उसे اور کیا نام دے گا زمانہ وہ رحمت वो रहमत नहीं है तो और क्या है कयामत का एके दिन हमारे लिए हर नफस है कयामत قیامت کا ایک دن گوائی انہی لیکن ہمارے لیے ہر نفس कयामत नहीं है तो फिर और क्या जा निसारों की दूरी कयामत नहीं है तो है tum qabaliye nat keh to कहां तुम कहां मद है ममदू है यजदा कहां तुम कहां मद है ममदू है यजदा यह जुर्रत नहीं है तो फिर और क्या है जहाँ रो पाके खैरुल बरा है वो जन्नत नहीं है तो तेरे और क्या है कहाँ मैं कहाँ आए मदीने की गलियां Hai hai toh, aur kya hai? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was the name of the name of the name
1: of the name you the name of the name of the name the name of of the the we of not have of you know of the to the the detail of of uh, of the po- the poem that uh, but you want to give him a small
0: rundown, 30-40 seconds, just so people know what he was reading? I mean, the poem has is about the Prophet ﷺ and visiting the city of the Prophet ﷺ. It's, it's when you love someone, you get associated to their city, their lifestyle. And there has never been a expression that has ever been expressed of love equal to the lovers to the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. The poems which have been written in the praise and love of the Prophet. No, no, Romeo, no Juliet. No no one writes poems and literature and and words that express genuine love to someone like the ways people do to the Prophet. You know, you have the poet that says about this when Layla and Majnun have this this relationship, and the poet goes, Amuru ala diyari, diyari Layla, uqabbilu dal jadar, udal jadar. He goes around, he kisses the walls of, of his beloved and kisses the floor. And he says, I have no attachment to these walls. I love the person that lives within these streets. Of course, we love the Prophet. And then we have our deen, our belief, and our aqid also has his attachment to the city of the Prophet. He migrated there, he lived there. So the poet's saying that there's this qiyamah that's going to happen, obviously, but my <laughs> started a little earlier, that is when I leave the city of the Prophet Wasallam. That, that itself is painful for me, I know the day when I have to stand in front of Allah, it's going to be difficult but the day I leave Medina it's equal to the difficulty that I can imagine of the day of judgment so may Allah make us true lovers of the Prophet and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to revisit the blessed city of Mecca and Medina in Quds in and we may Allah wa ta'ala remove these uh, barriers of this pandemic and also the barriers that are all our brothers and sisters who are suffering in Palestine. So mm-hmm. we can really visit these holy landmarks and can have this attachment to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That was a
1: beautiful. That was a that was a great summary, Bajan. Um So we should move forward, Mulana, um I know we we our audience is mixed, so we bring on, our you know, Munshids that read Arabic, Muadh Nas and Muhammad Tariq. We bring on English Munshids. I think we brought all the English Munshids on that you could mention. And we also bring on Urdu Munshids. But very rarely have we been given an opportunity to read a nasheed in Bangla. And I know uh, that our crowd also, you know, some some people in, some people speak Bangla and they will enjoy it. If you read something in,
0: in, 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 the, in Bangla. What do you think, Bajan? I think it's an excellent idea. Because, you know, people, there's some audience that understands English. So we have English reciters and singers. And then there's some audience that understands Arabic. And there's some audience that understands Urdu. And there's an audience that, that understands english and bangla and, 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 mean, so and I, man, I, it's a pretty it's, it's such a beautiful language and beautiful the challenge is going to translate it but you can translate it i understand bangla no <laughs> so what, what you think you think i don't i i i went to, I, I went to bangladesh for four months I believe you you really, you, I, the only thing that i don't get along with the people from bangladesh is fish you know you know fish, huh? I don't eat fresh. We're friends until they offer me fresh. And when they offer me seafood, I say you see, I see, we see later. You know? No. Everything else
1: is it's fine. good. You know? MashaAllah. Let, let please read something in Bangla. You can it can be two minutes shorter, uh, or longer, whichever one you have, and inshallah we'll do one more Urdu, and then inshallah will bring Abdullah on. Inshallah. Another, the bigger one, this one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <coughs>
3: Nissasini sassi Niamatepa yami Bissaseta yami. न देखि तुमाई मानी शे मन शमनो कोटि তোমコネ ক্ষমা করে দিও তুমি তোমার বাদহলে তার জন্য প্রতিশোধ নাও না তুমি বরং তোমারে যে समय तुम्हारा সমিরন शुमिरों पाय सदा बच्चे ना जगते तुम्हारे करो ना चढ़ा Amare khu dro hridoyer minati tumar karuna rahamater dare amake phiri deya na he poropare amar jibone diona kono bipo ging bai apoma dukho glani nissashini shase neyamat payami vishwasitayami na dekhi tumaye Shemana shaman no kato chutipur no to marmi jane me ponayamai prabhu gopone kama kori tumi
0: Jazakallah. <clears throat> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. MashaAllah. Beautiful, beautiful. Jazakallah. It's a beautiful uh, poem and beautiful words. Um, I understood very little, but um, the audience is uh, compelling me to translate. I think this poem is about the mother.
2: No, nah, about uh, this humdabari. Hum- hum- Allah, Allah subhanahu yeah. wa ta'ala. Jen, so that, let me let me try my
1: my Bungma translation, okay? Because yeah. I got some assistance from um, from Rehan. So, well, if I'm not wrong, what the Sheikh was reading was that Oh Allah, um, we are your abd. wa and being your abd is the biggest honor that I have. For some people, the greatest honor is that they're a graduate from a prestigious university, or that they work for a, you know if a, 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 for, a Fortune 500 company. He is saying that, oh Allah, the greatest and the most honorable trait that I have is the fact that I am your abd. I am your slave. And I can't wait for that day that I can I can stand in front and under the arsh, in the shade of your arsh. And while I'm looking around and just enjoying being within your gathering. That no. feeling is something that I can't wait for. And that's Malala if I'm not wrong, from that's, you know, trans- I, that's what that's what he was singing. I understand. Yeah. So it, it was more it was about the first poem in Urdu was about the Prophet and this last poem was about um connecting and being proud of being the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I concur with that translation. <laughs> Without that we wouldn't be able to move forward. So we, we needed you to concur. Uh Bajan, you want you want to do one short one more short one, or should we uh move forward? One
0: one more, please. Short one? Okay. I hope Sheikh Abdullah is okay with that. Uh, the other I, mean, okay. I have to understand it so I can translate it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, Allah, the Bangla, his voice is so sweet. sweet. In the language, the Bangla language, I, people don't know this, is one of the sweetest languages in the world. world. Uh, Arabic, Bangla, even, even Persian. Persian is hmm. so sweet. Uh, and then uh, Sheikh Barakatullah has a very nice voice. When I was in Bangladesh, Honestly, the Adhan, the Adhan there, hmm. it's so beautiful. If you Google the Adhan uh, in the Bangla uh, dialect from somewhere, you just Google it, it has millions of views, such a beautiful lahan, maqamat, a uh, of, of voice. Of course, there's a Medina Adhan, there's a Makkah Adhan, there's a Sudan Adhan. Sudan has Maliki Adhan, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, right? They have a different uh, uh, wazan of Adhan and in, 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 in maqamat. In, in in when I went to Bangladesh, I swear you're like it's the adhan was so beautiful, the voices that Allah SWT has given them is so uh, the people there very naturally beautiful voice. It, it might have to do with the rice. Three things I think help them get a good voice: the rice, the fish, and the pan. They <laughs> eat so much tobacco leaf there, like Karachi. They like eat Karachi. So, and Karachi too same thing. They they eat so much and probably cleanser their voice out more, but I'm telling you the Adhan, it was so beautiful, the voices were so beautiful, and of course the people from that part of the world are also very nice good character uh, hey, I'm going to do
1: the
0: last one, inshallah
1: and then uh, we'll move forward, jazakallah khair
2: hmm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now, if, anyone, if anyone wants to listen
1: to any of Mawana's nasheeds, he has a YouTube page. Um in a, in a very he has a lot of poems on there. Barkatullah Ashraf, you can find his YouTube page and watch his other poems as well. Inshallah you'll benefit. Uh Jimana, I've got it. Any Urdu or Arabic, any one Urdu my brother. We didn't have an Arabic one. Okay, we can do Arabic. Arabic.
2: Okay, Bismillah. Arabic team inshaAllah. <clears throat> بسم
3: الله Rahim عن كل ضلال أعددنا بضعة رسالات نور للأجيال ما عن اعددنا بضع رسالات تحمل نورا للاجيال ولكي لا نمطفي اهل مو كي نحيي فينا الامال نزرع قيما نمحي جهلا بجنتنا نسعى برضاه ولكي لا نمطفي اهل مو كي نحي فينا الآمال نزرع قيما نمحي جهلا للجنة نسعى بنضال هات الكفأ يا مسلمنا لا تغرق فالدنيا زوال فالغاية والهم الأسمى فردوس الرحمن ضلال فردوس الرحمن ضلال معنا نهج حياة جئنا تبصرة عن كل ضلال A'adadna bidu'a risalatin tahmilu nura lil adiyan. Man yazanallahu bi-Qur'anin ya'simuna in gusna mal. Inna mahammatna fi dunya nadu'u li'allahi bi'illan. ما are not alone in world the world. Mm-hmm. Si we إنما not alone in the world. We are لنبث الخير بأمّتنا، مهما الشر بها قطان، مهما الشر بها قطان. معنا نهج حياة جئنا عن كل ضلال اعددنا بضع رسالات تحمل نورا معنا نهج حياة جئنا تبصره عن كل ضلال اعددنا بضع رسالات تحمل نورا للاجيال
1: MashaAllah Ma, You You read in three languages today You read in Urdu You read in Bangla And you read in Arabic May Allah bless you Your family Your children Ameen. Continue to use you And your beautiful Melodious voice uh, To raise uh, The name of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala And the Prophet In this world Of course It's always raised But for us to uh, Connect with the name Of the Prophet Even more uh, Through your beautiful poems JazakAllah uh, khair MashaAllah to, uh, and we'll bring you on we'll bring us local so we're going
0: to be bringing them on a lot inshallah see, oh, that the, was yeah, beautiful I one we'll bring on early makk khair thank you so much now inshallah oura bit of barakat alaykum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh jibjan
1: let's get it going inshallah
0: and two and in the next and let's part let's, let's bring the original sheikh abdullah on Abdullah ahlan wa sahlan assalamu alaykum sheikh
4: wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh how, you doing? how are you doing? Alhamdulillah, I'm good, I'm good.
0: Alhamdulillah, I'm good. for joining us and welcome to our Friday Night Niftah Live. And uh, my brother is on the side, on the up end of the screen, Mufti Abdul Wahab. And you've probably communicated with him before and that's how you've been invited. And I've never spoken to you directly. I don't remember speaking to you, but I've been watching you for many months now. Oh. Especially with COVID. May Allah reward you for all the great work that you do, Shaykh.
4: Ameen, all of you, mashallah. May Allah SWT bless you all for the miftah, We ask Allah to open the doors of barakah for you and the the doors of happiness and closure, inshaAllah Ta'ala, for what has, you know, has transpired, inshaAllah. And may that be on Mizan Hasanati inshallah, and may that be a legacy for you all to fulfill, inshaAllah Ta'ala. Uh, and that serve as a as an engine of remembrance for you to be of those that live the legacy that He would have wanted for each and every one of you individually and collectively you know for that is very very important subhanallah you know and let that be a source of of sadness but at that sadness be an engine for you to continue on and live what he would want it to fulfill his i
0: mean i mean mufti abdul wahab you want to welcome shaykh onto the screen i know yes. yes you know shaykh abdullah is um we met a
1: few times in dallas but you know he's gotten close to mufti abdul rahman through yaqeen as well they've done a few quran thirty for thirties together but I met Sheikh um, for the first time in Dallas in his masjid, and mashallah. I mean, I noticed a lot about him, but I also noticed that Sheikh likes to work out. Um, you know, he's 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 uh, he's known. I mean, from all the youngsters, they, they 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 run towards him because he also trains them. right, Sheikh, they can't act up in front of you. They know. <laughs> Mashallah, yes. he, he's studied, he studied in Medina University, graduated from Medina University. Sheikh, do you miss, I mean, I can imagine how much you miss Medina Tumunawwala, man. You know, because you yeah. were there for a few years.
4: Yeah, no, mashallah, I was in Sardia for around like eight to nine years. And then Medina, wow. from, yeah, Medina for around seven. And, you know, that's where my in-laws are. So it's, it's, uh, I got to live it as a local. And uh, alhamdulillah, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And in Medina Tumkhayru Allahum you know, it's better for them if they were to they were to know, you know, with the patience and being in that environment and realizing, subhanAllah, that life is much more than the tangible things. And you see with the basatha over there in Medina with the ease of living. And subhanAllah, just it, it's hard to explain. You know, when people they go to Mecca, they go to Medina, they see the differences and they see the well, that. They see the beneficial factors in each one of them. But the thing about Medina, the word that really comes to my mind is sakina, sakina, sakina.
0: So i sorry, how you arrived there. It just, you can
1: sense the tranquility.
4: Yeah, exactly.
1: Man, yeah, we can't talk about Medina Munawar right now. It's, gonna take yeah. over the whole, it's guess, such a, I'll it's it's over this whole conversation. But yeah. Sheikh is also a founder of an institution, an organization called New You, where it it helps um, not only reverts but also Muslims that have refound their faith. And he's also um, a, one of um, the directors of, of the, the 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 Yaqeen Institute, but specifically within a niche, right, Sheikh? And you can speak about that as we um, go through the program. And mashallah, he taught for a few years in Begina and now he's doing a, doing everything, Sheikh. You're doing a lot, man. I mean, your bio is gonna be all over the place. So I just try to summarize the best I could. But there's nothing like Sheikh Abdullah's smile, man. He makes he makes he fills oh. out the screen. He makes us happy. Alhamdulillah, yeah. Sheikh. May Allah keep oh. you smiling and keep you happy, Sheikh.
4: I mean, all, of us, all of us, all of us. May Allah bless you all as well.
1: You so, Sheikh, in, in Yaqeen, that specific niche that you work in, or what, what is what is that what, what what is that department?
4: Yeah, well, it's it's subhanallah. Right now, it's just this is a new thing that has come on for Yaqeen. You know, because they realize the need. You know, with the influx of people that were asking about. Um, Islam, but more of a, from the basic aspect, you know, because there are people that converted to Islam, are primarily, uh, you know, the Angel series and the 30 for 30 is kind of where it was a little, it was a transition and it was, a, you know, something that people had to take pay attention to in regards to the demographics that were following Yaqeen as well. And a lot of those were people that came to Islam because of these, of these, uh, mashallah events and forms of literature and, you know, videos that were happening so there had to be something to facilitate for them within the structure that yakeen had which was very possible so i mean i was initially brought on on the team to work with convert life so it's mm-hmm. forming products and services for people that convert to islam and uh, also you know you may hear my voice over on certain things here and i do some some peer review on some of the papers as well so just just a member of the team man you know so alhamdulillah <laughs> she, where you she, where are you from back home I'm originally, my parents came from Ghana. My dad came from Ghana, West Africa. He's originally born and raised in Accra and my mother's born and raised in Kumasi. Not and sure. uh, Kumasi is kind of like the village in Accra is the capital of Ghana, West Africa. So my father came here uh, on a, you know, on a lottery and he studied in the University of Arlington, Texas, Arlington, where around where Cullum is over there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then after that, you know, he brought his wife and his wife he's eventually My mother, you know, and uh, we moved to Houston, and that's where I was born in Arlington, but only stayed in Arlington for about a year, and then raised in Houston my whole life. Texas, it has to be Texas, Texan, that's right. (laughs) And we're talking about, you know,
0: your parents are from Ghana,
4: yes, and
0: were they originally Muslim when they came here?
4: And oh no, I converted to Islam, my family's not Muslim, my mother's actually a deaconess, so. Yeah, they, they, I'm in a Christian family. I found out that my, um, my uncle disclosed to me after I converted to Islam, when he came to visit America for some award he was getting in New Jersey about being the king of a village in, in, in Ghana. Uh, he disclosed to me that his uncle was Muslim so and I he was know. a farmer because, you know, one of the products, one of the uh, natural resources in Ghana is cocoa. So during the industrialization period in Ghana, he was summoned by Nekroma, Kwame Nkrumah to help uh, the, the, the structure and framework of Ghana when it was trying to come up at that time. So my uncle was Muslim subhanAllah. I didn't, my 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 mom's uncle, you know, my, my uncle was explaining to me, he said, yeah, he used to have these things and used to walk around with this all the time. And he had his own, cause you know, he, he was wealthy. necessarily. he had his own place and he would go and do this type of thing like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's a lot. He's like, What's that? I was like, Oh, well, that, well that's the prayer, you know. So, uh, yeah. so
0: we're looking at Sheikh Abdullah Uduru, who whose parents are from West Africa and migrated here. Sheikh was born in Arlington, Texas, raised in Houston, Texas, and then converts to Islam. We're gonna to get to that, how you converted in a moment. And then Sheikh takes a journey to learn knowledge. I'm sure he started his journey in the United States, and then Went to the city where Islam spread from Madinat Munawara, from Arlington, Texas, and where is West Africa? A parent who are who are not Muslim, and now he's a son who is a scholar. Now we're looking at on the screen at a brother and a sheikh who's come from a very different path. And I think speaking to the audience here, sometimes it's people like you who are reverts or converts, however people translate it. Are such an inspiration because a lot of times, you know, when we look at someone, the other day we had someone on our, on our, uh, Sheikh Hamza, Mzurtis from, uh, from, from Greece. We had him on our chat, when on our, on a live session, and someone in the, in the comments, um, um, session, section said, Subhanallah, that many of our leading scholars are converts. Many of our most influential scholars are converts. Not saying that. The immigrant scholars have done very little. They're also there, maybe not, may, they might not have a, a presence on social media. but you know uh, it, it is that it is the people, the people of the nation that have a direct influence on the people of that nation. As an American, you are, It's it, you converted to Islam. you took Islam, not just like you know, another passive person like I, I want to know it. Now, and then you went all the way to Medina and you not just became a scholar, but you came back and now you're leading a community. It's, it's very inspiring. And sometimes the, the, one of the commenters said, it embarrasses me that I was born in a Muslim community, Muslim household, and I know very little about Islam. And of course, you shouldn't be embarrassed. There's always a journey. There's always a the time and always an opportunity. So, Sheikh, um, I you know, it's I think the typical question everybody asks a convert, right? How did you convert and what inspired you? And I, I don't want to put you in that position, but I think it is important for me, first of all, to know that what inspired your, your journey? How did you traverse this path to even engaging into becoming a scholar?
4: No, I mean, subhanAllah. Wallahi, the first thing uh, is, uh, as, as they say in, uh, in uh, the books of fiqh, you know, when it comes to uh, the bab of uh, tayammum, you know, they say that, al ma'u <laughs> tayammum. Why Abdullah <laughs> Turabi? Not, not, a scholar whatsoever. masha'Allah. may Allah uh, bless you and bless all of us. Inshallah, make us of those that continue to study this, these beautiful names and attributes to increase us in our awareness of Mi'arul Uh You know, Subhanallah. I, I think it was. I think it was primarily. You know, before Islam, it was a life that you know, Subhanallah, a life of you know that we. Are thankful that we become Muslim, you know, Subhanallah. And uh, it was a lot of questions. Primarily, what is the purpose of life? What is all this money and and uh, glitter all about? Because mm-hmm. I knew it was going to end. So then I had to ask myself, okay, what is this really about? And then that's when I, you know, I used to, I was, I was heavily into hip hop a lot, you know, and I was very into to poetry and and and, uh, and and rapping and stuff like that. So we used to do what's called battling. We used to battle each other like. Certain places, freestyle, huh? Freestyle, freestyle, right? It wasn't like a club, but it was like a place that was just specifically for just rhyming and battling people. So the people that it's I used to free, battle,
0: it's just back in the days. If you freestyle rap with me, man.
4: Oh, really? Game on, Game
0: on. Okay, okay. <laughs>
1: my brother's he's from Detroit, you know. So oh, he, he's got it going.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Old school. <laughs>
0: What happened? You were into that that whole lifestyle.
4: Yes, it was that whole lifestyle, you know, and everything that came with it. You know what I'm saying? So it was really, really just about uh, trying to I mean, I was always inclined to learn about life. I was always inclined to hear wisdom. I love knowledge in general. I mean, I just love hearing about knowledge. But then when I met these guys that I used to battle with, there was one time I was with them and, you know, I we I used to believe in the Illuminati, like martial law that by the year 2000, the world's gonna end and the big brother plan that there's, you know, a number of these things I used to read a lot about. And uh, one of them said, it's all in the hands of Allah. And then I said, who's Allah? Wow. All I knew was from the nation of Islam. I don't know if wow. you know the Islam. So that's when they started to explain the differences between what, you know, is commonly known as Sunni Islam and the nation of Islam, right? So uh, that you're familiar well, from, from Detroit. So, you know, when, when they made that difference and they explained that difference to me, that's when it really, I had a number of questions after that. Uh, and Mm -hmm. they just told me about Tawheed. It was really, really about who God is and who he is not and why that matters in my life. When they told me that I was hooked. I was, I was really hooked. And then subhanAllah, I told one of my friends that was in the army, he was from Ghana as well. And, uh, you know, he was, he used to read a lot into, you know, into black nationalism and the nation of Islam particularly. And, uh, I told him, you know, because that next morning, the brothers that were talking to my about some called me and they said, you know what, we have a, a jalsa at the house, like a a, dars, a lesson. Would you like to come? I said, oh, hold on, let me call you back. So I called my man and he answered the phone. I told him, he said, let's go. So when we went, it was crazy. We got there, it was like a, halak, it was a circle. And then there was a brother from Sur-Dia, Saudi Arabia there, and he was giving a lesson. Oh and at the very end, the brother that invited us pointed directly to me and, and my friend Khalid. He's now Khalid. He said, are y'all ready to become Muslim?" Wow. And I was like, "Nah, bro." I was like, "Nah, man. I'm just Muslim, okay?" That's the, but my man, my friend Khalid, he said, "Yes." Wow. wow. And I'm like, "This joker just betrayed me, man." Look <laughs> at. <laughs> and this guy, what? And it was right before Salatullah. That's why they concluded the lesson. So they mm-hmm. went and prayed Law. And I'm sitting in my room, I'm sitting in the living room alone, and I just hear Allah Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. So I said, Man, it's I'm it's killing me aside. I have to go and see wow. what, what they're doing. Yeah. I knew they were praying, but I didn't know how it looked or anything like that. How so old I, were you? How old were you at that age? Man, I was I was 20.
0: 20. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh. You knew what was
1: going on, like yeah, you were, you were, you were.
4: Yeah, that was like nineteen, twenty. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So, um, I went and I looked, and then I saw them praying. They had him right behind the imam, so he was embraced. You see that there were brothers on his left, brothers on his right. He's right behind the imam, and it just, the, I just looked at it and I said, "Man, manhood! Look at that." and just remind me of the, the verse when i think about it, i always think about you know the verse one dollar mentions at the very end of the verse bunyan. you know it, it was just like it is it, as though they're a strong aligned uh uh bunyan, like strong firm uh wall or structure you know and that's the thing that just whenever i picture that in my mind i just think of that verse so that's kind of the journey in a nutshell. Uh, um,
0: you know that, you want you want to tell us little bit about praying in the public. You know, how do you feel when you pray in the public? I'm mean, Sheikh Abdullah knows that too. Praying in Texas with all those ranchers standing out there. You know, it's it's a different feel, you know? And it's just so powerful. I, I don't know. I of course I have I enjoy praying in the masjid, but when I'm traveling Mufti the Duhab, how do you feel when you pray in public? Even Sheikh Abdullah can add on to it. How big of a dawah is that? Well man, I feel like I own the road. <laughs>
2: Say
1: what's Stop to look at me. <laughs> but no, but you know, honestly, it's it's we can never feel, we can never experience what Abu Bakr was experiencing when he was trying to leave to Habasha because he was being humiliated for praying in the public. But, you know, we can never feel that or experience that, but we can at least try to imitate it. I'm not saying, you know, look for trouble and pray in places where you bother people because we don't want to bother people. But the idea is when you're praying and you put your head down in sajda. And everyone was looking around you and they see that the most honorable limb of your body is on the dirt, right? It's just, it's just your your head's on the dirt. I mentioned a story before that one day I was praying at the airport. It was Fajr Salah. And uh, I put my, my vest, put down the ground. So I pray my, my, my two raka'ah. And after I finished, this this elderly lady was standing there the entire time. And I saw her. I, I noticed her. And she comes to me after. She says, son... Um, I don't know what it was that you were doing, but I've never felt this type of peace in my life, you know. And trust me, it wasn't my khushu; it was just the act itself, right? Uh-huh. Sometimes you can you can make. Sometimes you don't need to you don't need to add any type of you know cover up or makeup to make something look beautiful. And salat is one of those things. It just it comes from above and it takes us above. But but Jen, I know Shabullah can add to this too. But you want to give Shabilla a few minutes to just um, you know give us a quick reminder. Yeah. Inshallah, we start diving in deeper. Okay. Bismillah. Okay. Well, Shaykh, I'm going to keep you on the screen, inshaAllah. And you can start talking about that topic of that. We're not just talking about reverse. We're talking about people that are Muslims, but reverted. In a sense that they came back to their to to their original call, right? And inshaAllah, we'll just we'll just continue from there, Shaykh. What do you think?
0: Alhamdulillah.
4: rahs. Waras,
0: whatever you guys khair. mashallah. Well, I'm on the side. I'm going to listen to you, Shaykh. I'm going to take some notes, and we'll be back with you.
4: Allahustan, Allah na as salaatu was salaamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man lah man wallahu rabbish rahni sadri wa yassirli amri wa hunaqdatam lisani yafqahu qawli ya rabal alamin uh this topic you know of of people that are, as we i think it was called turning the other leaf uh really is very very important why because when we look at as al-awwaloon min al-muhajireen wal ansar as allah ta'ala mentions in the quran he talks about the Sabiqun al Awalun, the people that were of the pious predecessors and the first generation. Roughly, we understand that the people that were in the first generation of people that came with the Prophet the you know, the مباشرين, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Talha, Zubair, you know, sa Abu al Jarrah. Uh, we see that Subhanallah, they converted to Islam. They were in a life of polytheistic practices. And they converted to Islam, or they had questions that were unanswered. And when they met the Prophet ﷺ, those questions were answered, and they converted. So when we look at the conversion phenomenon and people that were not Muslim becoming Muslim, that's the oldest phenomenon. When we look back and see all of these illustrious people that were the best of people after the prophets, they were people that converted to Islam. Now, we may hear some people say revert to Islam, and it's it's fine, but if we want to bring a synergy between the two, we see that reversion is primarily that first pillar to where people believed in a God. They believed that there was a God in their heart, and they knew that there was a deity, but they didn't know exactly where it fit to where it act- would be actualized correctly in their life. But converting your lifestyle, you're converting because you've never would, you never would have prayed five times a day. You never would have went to Mecca. You never would have fasted thirty days out of the out of the out of the year, right, from sun up to sundown, not eating, not drinking, and not uh, having relations or intercourse with your your spouse. This wouldn't have been done. So it was a conversion, and this is very very important when we look at this reality that the conversion reality or people from one religion to another is not a new phenomenon. It is the oldest phenomenon within Islamic history, if we look at those that were born Muslim as in regards, to, as opposed to those that were converted to Islam and really understanding this aspect of Sharh-Sadr, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala opens someone's heart to become a Muslim. And that is something that is so profound with everything that is in front of them. A lot of times we hear the stories of people that convert to Islam, not of today. But when we think of Abu Bakr or Abu Huraira Abu Huraira was Abdul Rahman bin Sakhr, was his name. And his mother did not like the Prophet She did not like him. She spoke badly about him to the degree that Abu Huraira when he heard about Islam, some scholars say at the age of 16, when he heard about Islam, he was with Tufail bin Amr al-Dawsi. And Tufail bin Amr al-Dawsi was someone that was... Uh, a chieftain of his tribe, and he heard about the message of Islam from the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet وسلم, made dua for him. He went back and Abu, Abu Huraira was, as some scholars say, was the individual that was with him, a young boy. When he converted to Islam, subhanAllah, his mother spoke badly about the Prophet And he cried hurriedly to the Prophet ﷺ. And when he went to the Prophet ﷺ, crying, telling the Prophet ﷺ, what happened? He asked the Prophet وسلم, to make dua for his mother. He asked the Prophet وسلم, to make dua for his mother. The Prophet وسلم, made dua for her. And when Abu Raid came back to his mother, she was uh she was taking a shower. And when she was when he came to the to the area, to the front of the area where she was, she told the mechanic, she said, wait there. She came out and she embraced the faith of Islam. She embraced Islam. And those are the second set of tears from the Prophet or from from Abu Hurairah to where he came and told the Prophet he congratulated him. So when looking at this and even the dua from the Prophet for Tufayl ibn Amr, the one that gave Abu Hurairah da'wah to Islam. The Prophet made dua for him and his people because they used to speak badly about Tufayl when he first came back and tried to tell the people about Islam. Looking at this is subhanAllah something so important and profound for us to think about that when we face these trials and tribulations that can bring tears to our eyes from family members because of a choice that you made to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, know that there is always a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cleanse your heart and to also cleanse your path. When you're someone that is doing something for the right reasons, primarily for the sake of the one that created you. When you have these unanswered questions and you're seeking, you're seeking the knowledge, Allah will never leave you. And that's a principle that even we as seasoned Muslims and as people that have been Muslim for a long time should never forget. And this is the essence of the transformation of a convert, of someone that is searching and they're trying to find their purpose in life. And that is what the sharh as-sadr is. Afaman sharh allahu sadrahu lil-islami fuhu ala nurin min rabbi. It is not the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sharh allahu sadrahu, that Allah has opened his or her chest. And Taha bin Ashur he mentions that sharh is like, is, was the name of the, the butcher, sharh, because he would, uh, he would cut open the meat to, to the, 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 the portion of the meat that was laying that was soft. And that would accept any type of spices or anything that would come into it. It's a شربه. So when we have a sharrah, if Allah opens your heart, He opens your heart to accept something, right? Alam nashrah Did we not open your chest? So when looking at this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about sharrahAllahu, lil Islam. That is not the one that Allah opens his or her chest for Islam is like the one that he has opened his or her chest for Islam and placed light in their heart. And some scholars say this is a rhetorical question. It's knowing that when Allah opened his chest for Islam, there will be the nur from his heart. And what's beautiful here is that the nur is that which will make things clearer to you. And والله والله. when I embrace Islam, subhanAllah, I remember the thing I used to say all the time is that The smoke is clear. Like, I know the purpose of life now. I had a hunch before, and I knew that there was a creator. I just didn't know the right system. I didn't know how to actualize that. I knew it wouldn't be up to me. If it was up to me, it it definitely goes south, right? But there was a system, organized system, that was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that made me say, subhanAllah, this is definitely the right way. So the smoke was clear for me. And that's something that I want to remind all of you as well that subhanAllah, you know, as, as, as the chef mentioned, when we talk about the conversion reality, you know, a lot of times we may think that it is of those of, you know, as I mentioned, the first generation of those that were the first generation and they were, you know, Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, uh, uh, atheist, you know, they were communist. They were of different orientations and different thoughts and different uh uh, beliefs but that could easily be with a person that is named a muslim right someone that was born a muslim someone that was born by muslim parents rather there was one time subhanallah i mentioned this story a lot of times It's, it's one of the plenty stories actually uh of a youth and what we must realize brothers and sisters is that a lot of the issues that the youth face are very, very similar to what converts face, primarily uh, the issue of learning the first pillar of Islam. And many, I know the shiuk are well aware of how our youth, uh, and, and this is not excluding our elders, but the youth primarily do not have a clue uh, about the first pillar of Islam, what it really means to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What why is Islam different from other faiths? What is the distinguishing factor? As we know originally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that verily really we have sent to every nation. a messenger, telling them what? To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and leave off that which transgresses the bounds. Those things that will go beyond the hudud of Allah. And the primary transgression is saying that Allah has a son, a daughter, or other than Allah God, money, respect, a person that is your God. That's a problem. So you'll find the youth that were born, quote-unquote, Muslim, encounter and follow these, these customs. Shibran bi shibran, bi As the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned, that we would follow that you will follow the sunnah of those people that are before you a hand span by a hand span and inch by inch you will follow them even if they were to enter a lizard's hole and the companions asked uh is that the jews and the christians he said for he's a question showing that look we're going to follow as the sheikh mentioned the environment we will get affected by if we do not put up our guard of understanding that first pillar of islam and the value and the beauty of Islam, the beauty of Tawhid, the beauty of having something beautify and align your fitrah. And that's the beautiful thing that when one embraces Islam, it brings that fitra back to its original state. One primary characteristic of that is marriage for the right reasons. You know, it goes beyond your physical and emotional attraction. It is a it is a heavy, heavy Uh, uh, agreement and fraternity between uh, you you and your wife or your husband brotherhood, sisterhood, but beyond that being that you have a connection with one another for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what I wanted to really relate is the issue of conversion. We have to really look at it even as Muslims and see how we convert or even revert and have we understood our faith to the degree to where we are content with who we are as muslims to where if we have to you know subhanallah as he mentioned pray in the public or in certain places there's no shame in doing so because we recognize what we are upon and we know that subhanallah and that's what i wanted to 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 mention to what what he mentioned is that subhanallah whatever allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated within his sharia we should know yaqinan with certainty to the best of our ability is that it can have a rippling effect when one has sincerity in that action. When one does that action, it is a beautiful thing because if Allah has legislated it for the alameen, it will be something that is beautiful for the alameen. But it's important for the people and the creation that when they see this, there's an open heart and an open mind. And that is exactly the process, that's exactly what happens to someone when they convert to Islam. That there's that open heart and open mind. So that's what I wanted to, to conclude with and, and mention that message, inshallah. May Allah bless you all. Jazakum khairan.
0: Jazakallah, Shaykh Abdullah. Would a beautiful reminder? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all. Shaykh, uh, Abdullah, no. reminder, open our hearts, keep our hearts open. Once no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans to give someone guidance, no one can misguide them you can't guide anyone the prophet is being addressed it is Allah that guides إنما our job is to convey the message and uh, I this this conversation sorry Mufthib, do you want to add something go ahead so the from this from this lecture the sheikh remind beautiful reminder that Abdullah shared with us there's so many hacks and discussions are opening up and flickering in my mind, you know, but I and of course Abu Huraira's mother's story the struggle that we have, converts have, or those who are transitioning to become practicing you know, a sister who wasn't practicing got involved in, in her uh, MSA or in the youth group of the masjid or front some type of friendship around the community now she's practicing, her parents might not be practicing, or you know they might not be equally accepting to that lifestyle of her going to the uh, you know halaqah there and listening to lectures or a brother that you know came across mufti abdul wahab or Sheikh abdullah in, in texas like what's going on here it's a lot of parents who are muslims they struggle with their children becoming better than them they have this oh i i I'm, i you know what i want to be a better muslim but I, I you don't have to go to the masjid for fajr or isha i think you're just doing too much so we have muslim parents who discriminate against their own children like, why do you have to wear a kufi? And mm-hmm. why are you going to wear a hijab? You could. There's so many good Muslim sisters that don't wear hijab. There's so many good Muslim brothers that don't grow beards. There's so many good Muslim brothers that, you know, they chill, they have fun, they do all these kind of things. Why, why you have to be a little bit more conservative or more practicing? So there is a challenge that comes from within. And then there's a the challenge of a person that's sometimes, I swear to God, sometimes it is easier to convert from another religion to Islam, then from Islam to more practicing Islam.
4: Right, oh, you know, no Sheikh Abdullah, you want to add to that? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, I've seen the pressures of, of the families, you know, subhanAllah. Um, you know, I and, 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 you know, that's what made me realize, subhanAllah, is made me sympathetic because like, just like you said, you know, there's youth that have come to me just with that problem, you know, with that challenge that, you know, my mother doesn't want me to pray at the masjid, particularly post nine eleven, right? They, you know, they don't want my, they don't want me to pray at the masjid. They want to become closer to Allah and do actions of religiosity to receive more reward, but then their parents don't want them to.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: and that is something that I've seen a lot of times. For me, you know, for a convert, it's like, well, you know, Mashallah, I can go to the ma- my my. Actually, when I was a Muslim, when I first embraced Islam, I hope my mom doesn't hear me, but uh, you know. She used to give me the keys to the car to the to go to the masjid. Wow. Like, no, 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 go go, pray, go pray at the masjid. Don't don't bring those spirits here in the house. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I mean like So to that point, sometimes we want to get to the destination, but we want to change the route to the uh, to, we want to change the route. No, okay. We can't change the route. No, okay. The route has already been set for us. <speaking in Hebrew> Somehow. every single one of us have already been given a route and that is a yeah. this route that has been set will lead us to that same destination yeah. if we try to take a detour or you know try a different journey or try a different of course everyone has their own journey yeah. to that spot right but the idea is ni'mati. The, the version of Islam is perfect right uh, I think sheikh a lot of times Bajan, it's not because of uh, a lack of iman and this is real it's it's due to khawf, like there's real fear. Like, you know, what's gonna happen if my son goes to the masjid, or what's gonna happen if my daughter starts wearing the hijab, or is someone going to bother her? And these are true challenges, right? But Shaykh in Bajan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but these challenges were also there since the beginning of time, right? And these challenges will always remain there. And this is why you know the hadith, which is can be Hassan that when ahya that individual that is able to bring back to life a specific sunnah of mine that was that was you know buried under the ground, that the reward for that person is something different, right? The reward for that person is the reward of shuhada. So Bajan, or Shih, you can start and, and talk about how like how, how is that process, how, how do we get over that that fear, like, you know, ah, oh, can I do it? Uh, and maybe Shaykh can add to that because I'm sure he,
0: he experienced it himself when he um, turned towards Islam. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is, you know, we, you and me don't have that, we can't relate to it as well. What we do, is, uh, me and Mufti Abdur Rahab, because we were raised in a household, parents were practiced, someone had to go through the struggle for us to become practicing, like my father, you know, or my mm. mother. My father's family wasn't very accommodating in the beginning for his uh, practice and his, uh, they saw his dress code change he was in medical school someone inspired him someone changed he was a great family but they were afraid like if this they have this you know this narrative that if someone becomes a better Muslim they might leave education or they might mm-hmm. leave secular studies they might and then the the the, the you know post colonial uh poisonous venomous uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, mentalities that have been opposed upon people it's it's hard to debunk those, uh, those mentalities and those uh, ideologies that have been already that have been stored for decades into these uh, families overseas not only in Pakistan but also Muslims in in Africa you know who were colonized by the French or they were colonized by the British you know so you have these myths and theories so right away people start to become very skeptical like oh my God, my daughter, my son, who's gonna marry them if they you know who where and, and they might get discriminated in in college you know they might they might have these challenges you know muslims have struggled to pray even in muslim countries when i listen about the muslims in syria in damascus we're talking about damascus where islam it's always been the hub of islamic knowledge yeah. sahaba are buried in damascus yeah. sahaba this was the capital of islam for so many so many centuries decades such a beautiful and scholars till today and may allah make the situation easy in Syria and Yemen all these places you know the prophets have spoke so highly of the Ard the sham um but a time came where practicing Muslim youth in medical school or engineering school were praying and they were witness to pray like two times in a row then the undercover security would come and say why are you praying or they would they would take them for for like um questions who are you part affiliated to any group or any organization so it was it's not like People think, oh, Islam in America is challenging. No, no, no. Wherever you go, anyone that's going to practice is going to be challenged. It's just the nature that Allah wants you to, to prove that you are pure you are pure in your So this is not just it's not an American thing. Neither it's just a new Muslim thing. It's Everyone goes through this struggle. And new Muslims go through it much more. Because like you said, your mom was very supportive to a certain extent. A youth in my community, uh, African-American who converted to Islam. His mom, his father and mother were both police officers. Hmm. Both police officers. One was a sheriff. And one was a, one was a chief officer for one of the university campuses in our community in Flint. Hmm. And uh, he, um, he used to come to my sessions and he would ask me about prayer and stuff like that. He said... Sheikh Abdullah, you know, can I, you know, like, can I miss prayer sometimes? He was going through all these, challenges, like, even the hours of our sessions, being at a certain time. Okay, you're telling your mom you're going to your friend's house, but you're going to pray Zuhur. Okay, but where are you going six o'clock in the morning? And why are you coming home at 11 o'clock at night? And your mom's a police officer. She wants you home. Sure. Like, why, why are you out at 11, 10 at night for Isha? Like, who are you meeting? Homework one day? Homework the second day? Homework the third day? what are you doing you know so this this youngster was in college and he was very afraid and he mm-hmm. said to me and it really brought me to tears he said mm-hmm. I was praying in my room right my mom his mom was suspicious his mom mm-hmm. was very really suspicious and he said mm-hmm. I, I was praying in my room and my mom walked in when I was in sajda
4: mm-hmm.
0: we don't know that feeling mm-hmm. we don't know. I don't know that feeling maybe you have gone through this my mom walks in and he's in sajda he's busted yeah. so he's like, when my mom walked in right away, I started pretend I pretended that, that I was searching for something under my bed. I literally broke my salah. Like I went to like, oh, I'm looking for something, and then my mom walked out. And he's like, I this is a struggle that these people have. And the struggle of the sahaba were also there. We have Ammar bin yasir who is the Prophet later on said, al iman fi dami, that iman yeah. flows in his veins. Such a powerful individual of, of faith. But even when he became Muslim, it was a struggle for him. He, he literally had to publicly say to the Quraysh, I'm not a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Said, are you Muslim? He said, no, 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 I'm not a Muslim. Mm-hmm. He came, the Prophet saw him, he was crying. The Prophet was like, why are you crying? He said, kafartu ya Rasulullah, I left Islam. I claimed to be a Muslim, but I said something which was contrary to the message of Islam. So what did you say? So this is what I said. He said, mm-hmm. the Prophet wiped his tears with his own hands. Oh, okay. Wiped his tears with his own beloved hands. He says, Allah. Ammar, if they come again, عنه, I want you to repeat what you just said. Meaning in your heart, what do you have in your heart? He said, I believe in you as a prophet, Allah is my Lord. He said, don't worry, you're a Muslim. Allah, and he still, he had this, he had he knew the prophet gave him some assurance, but he felt like this, the Sahaba are going to judge him. You know, he's going to feel judged like, hey, my relatives were tortured and you got away by just saying, you know, hmm. and, uh, giving a, a second answer. Allah revealed the ayah, you know, those who though, uh, those who believe in Allah. In, in another place, Allah says, ukriha wa bi iman." Those who were compelled to do Islam. And they, they publicly said, okay, that's it, I'm out. But deep down they believed. So the struggle was there. And Sheikh Abdullah Udru, uh, tell us, what is the advice for someone that is either accepted Islam or that someone's trying to change? What should they, what are the first things they should look forward to? Like, Say, as an audience member outside or someone that uh, I'm struggling with my prayers. I'm trying to become a better Muslim. What advice would you give someone that's just, like you said, the first pillar? Like, you know how you say, like the first Muslims are struggling to just embrace the first pillar of Islam. What advice would you give them to help them give them a little bit of stability?
4: Well, subhanAllah, there's a lot that I would like to say. But uh, the first thing that I would like to say is really is to take it easy. Mm. you know, to be someone that is taking it easy and trying. You know, always make the have the intention, the determination, you know, the will, the azm in the himmah, right? To have this and you know, be committed to trying your best, having a commitment to try. And that's all that's all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from you. And that's why Allah Subh'anaHu wa Taala says in the in, in the end in the end of uh, the chapter of Ankabut. He says, and those that strive in our path, we will guide them to our ways or our way. And verily, Allah is definitely with the doers of excellence. This view, this verse I always tell the Muslim community in general is that Allah SWT says, those that strive, so strive action, right? With the intention. In our path What happens? We will guide them to our way So if you strive in the path Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Striving meaning your actions are in accordance To Islam And some scholars say about the sunnah The two conditions, sunnah and ikhlas And that's mentioned uh, They will guide them to our We will guide them to our way And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says And verily Allah is with the muhsineen And ihsan is excellence just do your best, man. You know, just do your best. There's going to be times where you may end up as uh, Ammar bin Yasser. Mm. And that's, that and that's, you know, that's from the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he disclosed this event to us. Wow. Via the sunnah. Amazing. That there will be Ammar bin Yasir's in the future. Wow. Mm. Don't feel bad. You know, don't feel bad because you will make a mistake. But what happens after you make that mistake, right? You will do something that you wish you wouldn't have done it because you may say, "Man, that's not Islam." I'm trying to show Islam, and I I did this, but I wanted to please my mother. I wanted to make her happy. Allah knows that intention, and Allah knows you really want to do. As long as you strive and you try your best, that is religiosity. Even that's being quote unquote religious. You know, when you try, just try and keep trying because you have that shok. And love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you do that, taking it easy, it'll eventually, your heart will gradually be cleansed, subhanAllah. You know, it's interesting something that Ibn Rajab mentioned in, in his Ahad al that he mentioned in one of his letters, he mentioned uh, the whole process of, of, of shukr. You know, when one thanks Allah, they thank Allah for a blessing, right? They thank mm-hmm. Allah for alhamdulillah you know you know we just converse about we sit down we sit back and we think alhamdulillah muslim man where would i be tonight friday night like you know what i'm saying it's like that shukar that gratitude is a blessing and you will receive blessings for thanking allah when you think of another blessing what are you going to do you're going to thank him which is another blessing, and, and Allah blessed you by thanking him, which is another blessing, so it continues on. That's the process of movement, and that's the beauty of their relationship. The more you thank Allah for a blessing, recognizing a blessing, that's a blessing in and of itself. And Allah will bless you for the acknowledgement of that blessing, and it continues. Anji, so, so
1: Bajan, I, one, one of the... Well, Sorry, go ahead, Mufthib, go ahead. So One of the ayat that connect with what Sheikh Abdullah is saying that comes to mind is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, like that individual who tries سَعْي means just try really hard yeah. You know and Allah says in Surah Layla إِنَّ If you're not trying for this That means you're trying for something else yeah. Because we're all putting our effort, our mind and energy in something And while I'm at it you know, I think that the, the recommendation and the advice that we should give to those individuals like ourselves that perhaps don't have those struggles, that don't have those barriers, that don't have parents that are holding us back, they don't have family members that are telling us not to do this or to, or, or to avoid this. We have no excuse, man. We have to step up to the best of our ability, right? We don't have those barriers, right? And, and when Umar became Muslim, he didn't have those barriers, so he became the means of opening up Islam for the entire city of Mecca. When other people became Muslim, they had those barriers. So there was private invitations. But when Umar became Muslim, when Hamza became Muslim, those barriers were removed because these people were they, they didn't they didn't see, they didn't feel like those barriers were closing them down. There are people amongst our gatherings, amongst our communities, youngsters, like youngsters like our age. We don't got those problems, man. We gotta step up and make more effort. And while we make more effort, other people will take motivation from that. Then the Bilal, and then, then the khubays and then all those all those Suhay rumis those companions will also follow you. They move forward, they make an effort. You know, Hajr was doing sa'i, running fast. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the end of this ayah, what Shaykh was saying, their effort will be appreciated. Their effort. Mm-hmm. There is only one system in this world where you are not judged on your results, but rather simply judged on your effort. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: No one can go to their professor and say, I tried very hard to get this assignment done on time. I put in a few hours, but it is not done. Doesn't matter who you are, it's, it doesn't make a difference. You didn't make it. You should have tried harder. We always say, well, you know, sometimes the best is not enough, it's just mm-hmm. not enough. You, you miss a buzzer beater, you tried hard, but only one winner at the end of the game. Allah is saying, your effort is appreciated. Huh. And then if you do the good deed, Well, you got ten times the reward, man. Forget about one reward, you got ten times the reward. Man, Sheikh, what you said, just everyone needs to gear towards making a little bit more effort. And that little bit more effort is planting the seed. And inshallah, someone else will benefit from that tree but that's what I wanted to add but I'm sure there's much more you can add to that or Sheikh Abdullah can jump back in and can, I don't
0: have you guys you guys well I have, I have more questions to ask Sheikh Abdullah because he's he's more experienced on this discussion but Sheikh Abdullah and Mufti um you know I was so fascinated by this topic when I when I, I do the sira intensive every winter break here for 6 7 days so after doing it three four times I, like you mentioned I was so impressed by the, the stories and the experiences of Sahaba converting to Islam. So then I did an entire research of a couple hundred pages that I put together. It's about the conversion of the Sahaba. Sure. And then I titled it under different topics, like in the sense, those Sahaba that converted through the character of the Prophet, mm-hmm. those Sahaba that converted in their in their struggles. We have, you know, we have uh, Khubayb, we have uh, Khabbab, we have uh, Bilal, we have Ammar, we have Suhaib. Those who were minority within minority, like you, you, you know, you're you're you you are African descent. You're a Muslim. But you have double discrimination in Texas. Like, of course, I'm brown and I'm from Pakistan. But imagine the racist person against you, and you are Muslim. Mm-hmm. That, no, none of us can comprehend. It's just way so that's the like, Kitab like Bilal. Bilal was an African. Muslim in a racist community. What did he go through? Because mm-hmm. now it, I can relate to it, people, so I had that. Then I had, uh, uh, there was a topic amongst conversions, those who ran away, Al-Farraroon, those who ran like Adib bin Hatim, you know, his sister when they brought him back, Hatim Ta'i's son. Then I had the stories of conversion, of the mysterious conversions, how like Dajjal convinced me mm-hmm. Dari about the <laughs> Prophet Muhammad. Mm. He's like what was the what were the opportunities And that Yahudi uh you know Mubin like this wolf mm. speaking to and then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi is walking and this Arabi comes, Bedouin comes, and the Prophet says, Would you believe Rasuluh? Would you believe in me as a prophet of God? He said, Mein Yashadu Dalik, who believes in you as a prophet? Like who who are you? He says, Hadi I said Hadith Shahlah. what? So this tree. See this tree? the prophet called the tree the tree ripped to the ground and the prophet made him say "Say, who's your lord, Allah, who am I Rasulullah, this bedouin became, a tree convinced, so there are this mysterious what? story that came across then the conversion of women I have that mm. women independently without their men folks became Muslim, there's so many sisters in our society who convert to Islam or go through transition in Islam they have their challenges, then who accepted Islam, but they were not allowed to live in the Muslim in, in Mecca. The Prophet said, you go back to your community, Abu Dhar, the Zimad, and these Sahaba like, imagine like a lot of times, like, man, I'm a Muslim, but I don't live in a Muslim community. Okay, what is your what are you trying to say? I'm a Muslim, but I don't live in Pakistan. I don't live in I don't live in Medina. I live in America. So there's a struggle that I'm gonna have. But then I go back to the Prophet's life. They were Muslim Sahaba who never prayed salah with the Prophet in Makkah. Who never heard a lecture of the Prophet in Mecca? The Prophet said, Go back. Go back to where you're from, like uh, Tufili bin Amr al Dawsi, who brought Abu Huraira. They came to Medina 10 years later. Mm-hmm. 10 years later. And in he brought thousands of people. It says around 3,000 people. <laughs> he brought 3,000 people. How did he learn Islam? There was no Google, there was no YouTube, there was no Sheikh Abdullah Uduru, there was no Yaqeen. You know how? Where did Tuvil He was living away from the prophet's community, but he managed to pick up through people going there, intercepting information, knowing what revelation was coming. Then there were some people who just accepted uh by listening to Quran. They just heard the Quran like mm-hmm. he says, "Wallahi, I heard the prophet recite Quran. I knew it's true." And so oh. many others. And then this is my fat This is one of my fascinating ones: women who converted their men. Women. Like, uh, 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 one of the Sahabi wants to marry a wife. You you know the name of the Sahabi. He, he wants to marry his uh, woman from Medina. He was like, uh, he's like, I don't have no money. I'm poor. Mm-hmm. So a woman says, well, you want to marry me? You have to become Muslim. That will be your mehr. That's your dowry. I'm gonna leave this 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 story to the audience to guess. Who the woman was, who the Sahabiya was, and who the Sahaba was—we're not going to give you all the information. That's the level of amount of fascinating incidents that happened in the Prophet's and so many more. And I mm-hmm. and I did a video series of this in Flint. Literally, I did a video series on the uh, for my college halakha So just I, just from the conversion session, like when Mufti Abdullah told me he's going to discuss this with you, Sheikh Abdullah, I was so happy because it's so relevant to us that so many people are going to have their struggles. And my second question is. The first one you said to take it easy. Mm-hmm. Second one is, how important is it when someone is getting to the uh, to their the intention of changing and becoming better Muslim? Knowledge, environment, companionship, a sisterhood, a support group, brotherhood support group, and then the last one that I'm going to bring up to us as as senior Muslims in the Muslim community. Uh, what our responsibility is to facilitate for these youth. For these youth who are trying to become better, you know, welcoming them in. Because we do have like someone walks into the masjid without something appropriate on. We become judgmental. How many times you hear? How many times do I hear? I don't want to attend your mosque. Or someone says, I don't want to attend the masjid because I get judged for what I wear. Or I don't feel welcomed. It could be because some sister looked at someone's hand and their ankle was showing. Oh, my God. It's a big deal. It's Or a brother walked in and he was wearing some slim, tight you know, uh, jeans. And I don't know what the mothers are nowadays. They like to buy this slim, tight fit for their big son's waist. God help you, you know? Um, like, you know, I know I know this, the mothers and the fathers, they go shopping and they try to find what's cute, cute, but you also have to find what's practical on the child. And they, the parents don't realize, they buy their clothes early summer, like in April, May, in spring, but before they go to school, they, mashallah, you know, the kids coming out of seventh grade, coming into eighth grade has heavily developed. So there's a lot of happening there. But in that discussion, the, we have a responsibility to be welcoming to people who are struggling. And so these are the two questions that I wanted to uh, just share with you, ask you, Sheikh.
4: No, no, definitely. I mean, really, from the, pro, from the aspect of knowledge, it's very, very important that the, the convert, um, the person that converts to Islam... Takes it upon themselves to have uh, some type of, to embark upon some type of consistent education, you know, whether mm-hmm. online or offline, uh, to to make sure that they learn about the first pillar. And I, I you know, really call for the the, the the convert to learn about what is easier for them is the names and attributes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Mm-hmm. What primarily, primarily the principles within learning names and attributes. You know, because I think really, especially in the West, they can really understand these concepts of like, you know, uh, that the names, as they say in, in the books of al uh, they say, Jameel al Kamal, that all of the names and attributes of God are complete. They don't contain any deficiency or in any type of, you know, deficiency in the, in its nature. So when they learn that, it kind of, it permeates. It's easy for them to understand but then seeing the manifestation of that and how they actualize that in their life is really the fruits. That's the real fruits of it. When they, when they learn this and they see how it's done in the community and how it was done in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that is what is really, really profound for someone that converts to Islam. So learning about Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala and learning how to establish that relationship, learning mm-hmm. some of the prayers and what these prayers mean. Like, for instance, uh, you know, one beautiful prayer. When the Prophet to say, mm-hmm. You know, talking about al-hay, al Qayyum, his mercy, and what istighatha is from Isti'ana, you know, and then talking about how you totally have tawakul. To Do not leave me to count on myself for this, you know, the time span of the blinking of an eye. You know, mm-hmm. just really going over these prayers and the names of the uh, names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, and just taking it, being consistent with that. Maybe like as mentioned, you know, two or, you know, Mm -hmm. a name a week and just having that conversation and learning about that. In regards to the communities, I would say that it's important that they have a conscious effort for socio-educational structures within their Muslim spaces and within the curricula of the Masajid. Mm -hmm. You know, as you mentioned, like you have, you know, once a week, there's talking about, we used to call them, you know, with new, you would call them the oldest new Muslims. You know, mm. you talk about these individuals and the goal of it is to educate the new Muslim, but the seasoned Muslim community as well to remind them that the new Muslim has a right to the master just like you. As a matter of fact, you know, we wouldn't have known Islam except through the struggle of these converts. Mm-hmm. You know and their children. I mean that's because they're, you know, Abdullah bin Umar was right. You know, so when understanding this, it's just for the community to realize that it's not a new phenomenon. It's not something that is new. You know, a lot of times Alhamdulillah, you know, when they see like you mentioned, you know, how many times that you know when the person becomes Muslim after Jummah, they give about a thousand hugs, you know, and then and then they, you know, it's always brother, you're better than me. You're a newborn baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> typical um, uh-huh. typical statement. Typical statement, right? Which is beautiful. It's beautiful. But again, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, that's why it's important also when creating these spaces that there is a season, Muslim, that when you see a convert, you make a convert coach effort. If you really want to help them, subhanAllah, taking them out, maybe you tell them, look, you know, every Jummah after Jummah let's go to the Halal restaurant down the street and just sit and talk. Meet them mm-hmm. once. At Starbucks, you know, or, or whatever coffee or place you know, a place that you want to meet and talk to them and just talk and really with them, it's just really hearing them, listening to them because mm-hmm. it's not cookie cutter. Subhanallah, I had a, a podcast with a sister, uh, Zeba Khan, she's with the Muslim Matters, and
1: mm-hmm.
4: you know, uh, she was you know in a part of the world where, subhanallah, uh, she has somewhat of a convert experience, even though she's born Muslim. Uh, but it's interesting when, when, when speaking with her, because she mentioned when she was young at the age of six, roughly, you know, her mom's not Muslim. So the, one of the uncles stopped her and said, you know, your mom's not Muslim. You know, she's going to hell, you know, and she said, I was, I think she says, I was six years old, you know, it's that normalization of being in a community and being in your environment and so comfortable that when you see someone. That is new, that's coming in the mosque Like you said, may have earrings, may have a tattoo Maybe dressed like a movie star Right? We have to remember That the first generation It was something something Similar when it came to Life experiences Right? The Hijab was not revealed In the first day, the verse of hijab was not revealed In the first day of, of you know the, the proclamation of Islam from the Prophet And what took place When the he, verses of hijab were revealed Definitely, mashallah, tabarakallah But when seeing that, we have to, when that person walks in the masjid, we have to get out of our comfort zone. And that's the second thing that I want to mention to the seasoned Muslim community is expect and accept the awkward moments. When a convert and they're dressed a certain way or they act a certain way, know that it is from what is normal to them. And they had enough courage to come to the mosque and ask about a religion that may still kind of seem foreign to them, but there's something inside of them that makes them ask these questions. And that is something that you mentioned. I'm so glad that you mentioned the different uh, uh, experiences of these illustrious individuals that were the best people that ever lived after the Prophet They had different experiences and saw Islam through different lenses and experiences through their life. So it's important to know that there will be a 15-year-old kid named John that just came from the Mormon church, but he, you know, his friend is Muslim and he has some questions. And there will be a 50 year old, you know, Monica that just came from playing golf, you know, and she has some questions about Islam. So when we look at the convert, it's not just a monolith, it's many different kinds of people. So it's very important that the average congregant at the masjid has in their subconscious mind to be ready to experience someone coming in the mosque to ask questions about Islam and they're very high, highly inclined towards Islam. And if they don't accept it at that moment, it's totally fine. You're mm-hmm. not a failure. It's okay. You okay. know. Most of in the ma'alik al balad. You know, it's upon you to just relay the message to the best of your ability in an easy, conducive fashion. And again, mm-hmm. even you trying, is that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala
1: Shaykh, when you were speaking, what I was thinking of is, I mean, there is no better process or methodology than that method that was chosen by the Prophet He's bringing two separate groups that have never met, that have never experienced a relationship in their life. And he's bringing them together from two different lands as well. One, one land is a land of Shepherds in one land is a land of agriculture, right? And he's bringing them together, the Muhajirun and the Ansar. And he's saying, the only way it's going to work, the only way it's going to work is uh We have to make the sense, we have to create a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood. That you are responsible for this person. And I am responsible for this person. Now, it doesn't have to be formalized within our masajid, but there's a sense of that somebody has to do it. And just like we are responsible for new people that are becoming Muslims, we are equally responsible for Muslims that are already Muslims in our masjid. Because if they get away, it's also our responsibility. right? Like imagine my sibling or my best friend becoming Muslim. That sense of happiness and that sense of responsibility that will brim within my heart should be there for anyone that walks inside of the masjid and becomes Muslim. That I got to take care of this person asbahtum they didn't become brothers and sisters after that was, and after you know chilling together for years it was instant it was simultaneous that you say the kalima we are brothers how umar عنه, when abu sufyan became muslim and umar anhu was not you know he was not ready for it because he sees abu sufyan in the back of, of abbas's animal and he's trying to sneak in uh, before fatih Makkah. and as he comes closer umar sees him and what are you doing and uh he jumps off and he says you know you can't become muslim abbas like no he's i'm taking him to the prophet salaf. and there's a commotion and Umar is really upset he's like you can't do it and the prophet walks out and he sees but well, i'm paraphrasing the story i don't want to take too much time no, uh, okay. after the entire after the ent- entire scene plays out and abu sufyan who was the mind and the brains behind uhud and he was the mind and the brains behind khanda like this guy was he did a lot that was harming the Prophet in the, in, in the Muslims. He comes to the Prophet He becomes Muslim. How he became Muslim was also interesting. He came to his sister and he said, "Man, I don't think the Prophet is ready to forgive me. What should I say to him? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what's I don't want, I don't know where to start." Uh, and she says, "You know what, man? <laughs> I don't know what you can say, but you can try this. And if you say this, it might work." Uh, she says, "Say what the brothers of Yusuf said to Yusuf, and let's see what happens." So Abu Sufyan goes and he says to the Prophet, ya Rasulullah, Allahu alayna wa We accept defeat, Allah has given you Allah has preferred you over us. Oh. And the Prophet responded how Yusuf responded, la he alaykum mm-hmm. After he became muslim, Abu gets up and he gives him a big hug. Mm-hmm. And Abu Sufyan says what's happening? You know, this is this is this is very this is very interesting. He says, before you accepted Islam, you were just Abu Sufyan. After you recited the kalima, you became my brother.
4: MashaAllah. You became my brother, man. No, no, That's beautiful. But no, go, go ahead, go
1: ahead. And I'm just saying, how many how many brothers do we have to lose in the sense of them leaving Islam? Or many brothers that could, or sisters that could have become Muslim that we lost because we didn't feel like it's our responsibility. No, man. It is our responsibility. If I'm in the masjid, if I'm at work or I'm at school, it is my responsibility. My responsibility is not like everyone else to clock in and clock out. My responsibility is to clock in and scope and see. Anyone that I can help, let me do it. Feed, help, smile, give people love. And inshallah,
0: through that, people will remain Muslim and people will continue to join Islam. Uh, بجل, like anything else that could be added to I, that? I, com- I think you've you added both uh, Shaykh Abdullah. And uh, and you are have honestly done justice to this topic. It's just one of these. These are one of those topics that we hear like, "Wow, it sounds good. Mm, it's right." You know, like yeah, like as an as an audience, like hmm, everything makes sense. We should we should do something. We should make a we should make a movement. We should uh, you know we should call our, our neighboring Muslims and we should reach out to them. We, it Understands COVID. So my someone asked me this other day one of my sessions, mm-hmm. like about like. Uh, you know, reaching out to people who are like underserved in underserved communities. I, I say to them, just go through your recent calls. Like, just go through your recent calls. Have you called a, have you called a person that's in need in the last two days? Have you called a person that's sick in the last two days? Have you called a person that's lost someone in their family in the last two days? If you haven't, then you, you are, I'm not going to say selfish, or it sounds harsh on the live session, but you have a different perspective. Mm. Like, you, my, what I'm leading to is: Do we have even ten Muslim convicts in our contact list that we reach out to? Do we? And uh, this pandemic masjids are closed or we're not able to shake people's hands. You, 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 you don't know what they're going through. Like, masjid was their only community. Now they're, we're, we're, they, you know. Of course they're they're gonna have families celebrating Christmas and now they're like, man, I haven't gone to the masjid for Juma for weeks. And man, this, you know, I, I they're gonna have their struggle. Yeah. it's it's about a realistic approach to this. I honestly, you know, we have so many people who are sick. You should you should wake up in the morning and say, find out who's sick in your community. I have to call one, two, three, four, five. You know, people, young brothers and sisters love FaceTiming and video call, you know send them a message hmm. you have not only converts but someone that in your community that was coming struggling. Back, struggling you know like how many people become Muslim and they leave Islam 50% plus you know research will tell you more than that and then we have the highest population that's accepting Islam are Hispanics do we and like as a, as an immigrant member of my, like my parents are immigrants from Pakistan like how many non-Pakistani Indian Arab people do I even know like you know it's do I even try to reach out to some people who are from different ethnicities? Mm-hmm. And then reach out to people who are, uh, you know, from not from the same bubble. Like, honestly, we grew up in the same bubble. We die in the same bubble. How? The same bubble comes to our wedding, and the same bubble comes to our funerals. Get out of that bubble. You know, it's great bubble, mashallah. Very righteous people, very rich people, people who donate a lot of money. Welcome. Mm-hmm. But that is not America. Right? Like we talk about assimilating with America, it's not America. America is not Syria. America is not Lahore. America is not Yemen. America is very diverse. It's mixed. You may have, you know, my 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 OBGYN for my wife, she was a Hindu convert. Subhanallah, she converted to Islam. There are Hindus who are converting to Islam. You know. And there's, like you said, people from Ghana. When you say Ghana, right, when you said Ghana, when I heard you were from, parents were from Ghana, I went back and like, you know, I, when I was reading Prince Among Slaves, that book, I when I read that, I realized that a lot of the early indigenous people were from Ghana. Mm-hmm. There were Muslims that came from Ghana. Like, there are so many people, and then right away we think, oh, people from Ghana are obviously right away Muslims. That's not true. People from India are not always Muslims. People from Arab countries are not always Muslims. Uh, and so it's and it's really important that we have a database, a personal database. And I I, I hate to um, say this, but I have to say this: the fact that you know institutions were developed after scholars died. we not there was not scholars available because maybe the the kings at the time, the tyrants at the time, had done injustices upon, upon them. We were forced to bring them together so we can build a jamia institution. Otherwise, er, learning knowledge was like go to Damascus, go to Hadramaut go to medina go to kufa go to baghdad go to delhi go to these big places where the scholars were residing and learn a sc- skill there learn a sc- go to bukhara go to tashkent Samarkand. good we have universities centralized this opportunity these these relief organizations why why we have why do we have to ask money for poor people do we not know there are poor people in the world like you know like isn't that enough to see the pictures of someone hungry that we need someone to stand outside a masjid and say, here, I'm from Islamic Relief Helping Hand, you know, from this organization, we need to feed people in Burma. See, like, where? how numb can a community be that we have to be reminded of over and over? And then we have the audacity to say, that I already gave Burma last year. Did you not eat yesterday? And no. do you not have children that have to eat tomorrow? So it's the lack of our community effort forces something like yaqeen and niftah we're all responsible for what Yaqeen is doing. We are all responsible for the, the building certainty and conviction in our communities. But, but now we have to, you know, we have to build an organization like Yaqeen who's doing such great work that as a community member, I lack to offer. You know, and alhamdulillah, it also b- builds opportunities for so many people to learn from. But again, like, you know, what are we waiting for a convert organization to come and reach out to these people? Or a, a movement that's going to happen that's going to have a database for all these people? It's not. It's hard to respond. How many converts have you reached out to, and in, in this pandemic, yeah. where are they?
4: Yeah.
0: Oh, look. Yeah. Look, at our, look at our weddings. <laughs> look at your wedding. Where are they? Well, yeah. Why? Why are Why aren't they not there? Why do they not feel? Not even come? Like someone like. Bring someone to your wedding, even someone who just tried coming come to the masjid like three weeks ago. He wasn't like you said, tattoo earrings. Bro, you if you make someone feel loved, that's it, man. It's over. I'm sorry, I, I went on a rant.
4: No, I mean you that's know? exactly it, man. There's a lot, there's a lot that's said. I mean, with the both of y'all mentioned it, you know, in the last word that you mentioned of making someone feel loved. I remember, you know, when I go to the barber shop. You Know it's uh I remember one I never,
1: you get a clean lineup, Chef? What do you what do you get?
4: Yeah, they just give me like a little taper in the back, you know, saying this maybe hit it up with some scissors here and there.
0: You know me, I like to get that you know, Latino mustache look, you know.
4: <laughs> yeah, so I remember one day they were talking about church, man, and it was crazy. I'm just sitting there like, Wow, they were saying, Man, I don't go to that church no more, man. They mentioned this one church, and then you know, one of the guys asked, Why? He said, Man, that's a good church, man. He's like, Nah, man, that they Don't smile at you, the pastor mm. wait at the door and smile at people like one thing that, um, uh, just having a welcoming crew at the mosque like just have one person. I mean, we have Walmart over there in Detroit, yeah, man. Hey. Walmart. Walmart, don't you have? And mashallah, sometimes you even see the uncles and aunties, you know, the Muslims they're standing right there at the entrance, you know, they, when they check your receipt. I don't yeah, know, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 just that old, you know, the, the, the person that's at the door smiling, hi, how are you doing? Welcome, I mean, the mosque. We can fulfill that at least on Jumaha to where there's one person, oh, how you doing? How's everything? How's everything going? Church, they have the organ playing and then they have the pastor there or somebody, you know, someone that is there for volunteer, like a volunteer group, volunteer crew. And they just smile and welcome people in the shop, You got these guys, you know, they're saying this, this is why they don't go back to the church because no one there is welcoming and, and smiling. Right. Because of that of that, of that, that social element are bringing some type of, you know, this is a place where you can let your guard down. I mean, you can, you know, be yourself. It's okay. You know, this is a place to where we pray together, where we laugh together, where we smile together. It's not a place to where there's spaces. It's a, it's a place to where we come together and we accept one another. And that's why when you were talking about the nasheed earlier in different languages, this is exactly what it is. You Know as converts, a lot of times we would look at culture versus Islam. Why? Because of our experiences in certain Muslim spaces, and then understanding, and then looking at subhanAllah, sometimes looking at the seerah, but realizing it wasn't him totally battling every aspect of the culture. Mm-hmm. Right? Culture is there to beautify Islam, and it's exactly what Allah SWT has predestined. That's why they call it Al-Ad or Al-Urf, What people have done consistently and it becomes a norm within them. And some of it may be radi and some of it may be khair. Some of it may be that was rejected and some of it may be good. But it in and of itself is something that is beautiful. If it is uh, obviously in accordance with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has has brought. So that is something that is so, so uh, beautiful when looking at, you know, the reality of the convert and how they come close to uh, a community. And the responsibility of the community as well. There's one thing that you mentioned, Sheikh, uh, when you mentioned Abu Sufyan, and I don't think that, you know, all of us, you know, myself, starting with myself, it reminds me, subhanAllah, when you look at the human characteristics of the companions. Please don't misunderstand when I say this. I like to hear those pre-Islamic stories because it humanizes them.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, we there's these stories we used to read in the nursery Winnie the Pooh And all these, you know, make-believe characters But sometimes, even with our kids With my kids, I got to remind them, like, you know this And it may sound crazy, but you know this really happened <laughs> yeah. Like this story with Abu Sufyan really happened What does that mean? That Abu Sufyan, radiallahu anhu Took place in the killing of Muslims Took part in that. Before he was Muslim. Just think about that. Just like, just think about that. Like brothers, your brothers and your sisters, probably a family member of yours, mm-hmm. died at the command of, of the likes of Abu Sufyan. <laughs> you know? Crazy. He becomes Muslim? It's not easy. I mean, what was it with Wahshi? I mean, with the Prophet Sallallahu And he told him because she killed Hamza, his uncle, beloved to him. How did Hamza become a Muslim, right? But the way that he became a Muslim was amazing. But all of this, it humanizes the companions. You know, you even see two righteous companions. I remember when I became a Muslim, I was like, so how are we getting a divorce? What? What? You know, but when you look at it, they were human. Yeah. You know, human. And that is something that it, it it comforted me and it comforts me when I see that, because throughout all of these differences, all of these trials and tribulations, they were still companions. And that's what made them the most illustrious individuals. It wasn't the exact mistake. It was what they did after the mistake, you know, hmm. you know uh, with the ashab uh, al-tabu, khullifu. Mm-hmm. Right? Those people that were delayed going to tabuk. But then Allah subhanahu them because of you know their toba, their 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 sincerity. It's, it was a mistake. And we as humans will make mistakes. And that's why you know concluded with this this beautiful, you know, just when thinking about them, you mentioned Abu Sufyan he became man, that's beautiful. He took place in killing the Muslim, they tied him in the tied him in the masjid. The Prophet could have easily disposed of him. Gave him three opportunities, came out and asked him, Mada indik, ya You know, beautiful. And this, beautiful story, you know. And then when he left, and then he took made ghusl on the outskirts of Medina. And this is where the scholars even say, You know, some converts may see that people may say, "I have to take a, you know, I have to take make a ghusl before I, before I become Muslim.' They take it from this story of the Luthal, because he made ghusl and then came back and became a Muslim. And the Prophet said the same thing that you mentioned, they said to Abu Sufyan. Just the encouragement. He felt so bad because he looked back at Jahili. He's like, man, what did I used to do? You were the most hated face to me. Your country was the most hated country to me. Your companions were the most hated. And he felt so bad. The Prophet some comfort him right there. you know. And that that, that I think, just just remembering that, you know, as, as seasoned Muslims in the Masjid and when we see these, these individuals that come into Islam, to remember that they're human and that we're human and we have these feelings, we try to fight them of insularity and being so used to our communities and breaking out of that shell. Mm. And that, Wallahi, if, if any seasoned Muslim has not had the opportunity to just sit with a convert and to listen to them, and even the youth, I mean, I know Maybe sometimes we had an opportunity to do like a town hall and listen to some of the youth and let them open up. Subhanallah, it's pretty much the same because it increases your iman because you see that Subhanallah, this person is still hanging on.
0: Wow! Yeah.
4: Right. Yep. You, you get a- information from them. Oh man. Yeah. After all of this, I, I give. I used to give workshops for with new you to communities. I call it convert coaches workshop. So it's like guidelines. Wow. For anyone that wants to deal with or become a mentor and help change the life of a convert, you know, uh, there are some guidelines that are extracted from the Quran and some of the lives of the companions and scholars.
0: Hold on for a second.
4: Sure. You got to sign up, Sheikh Abdullah, for that workshop.
1: If <laughs> you're you,
0: for the new you? Yeah. That,
1: I mean, we, we've
0: yeah. um, we got to do it, Sheikh. We'll do, do, it. do it.
1: We have a and, big. Were referred referring to yourself or refer to Sheikh Abdullah? Then I got it. It took me a second. But yeah, yeah. 100%. Hundred percent. Go back, but yeah, I was gonna ask you before we leave, like to end it on a lighter note. Do you have a story or an anecdote that 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 perhaps uh, was the most challenging situation for you dealing with someone that was coming into Islam and how you were able to take care of it or assist in that? Right. Of course, um, you know we, we are just AIDS at the end of the day. Allah is the one that opens the hearts and closes them, but. Do you, have any, do you have any specific stories so people can actually visualize this to a certain
0: extent? I'm sure Sheikh Abdullah has one too. Bajan has one too. Yeah, I have some stories. I'm, I'm sorry. I cut him off. I want him to finish that first. Yeah, sure. After, after this. Okay. Sorry, Sheikh, please finish what you were saying about that. Uh, where, where, where did I stop? I you knew you. You were talking about you have
4: Oh, yes. I mean, you know, these the seminars, you know, these seminars to give. And that's what I'm doing with the now is uh, we mm-hmm. have been a series of videos and I have a, we have a series of videos for convert coaches called the Five Guidelines for Convert Coaches. But, you know, when I would give these seminars, it was very enlightening to the seasoned Muslim communities. You know, I said, I remember I gave one in, in uh, Ohio and uh, and uh, Mr. Alvi was there, actually. Subhanallah. <laughs> Man, was there and. Elvi? Uh, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a man. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. <laughs> he's good. Yeah.
4: yeah. And, uh, you know, at the oh, very yeah.
0: end... You're from now. Yeah,
4: exactly, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, he's awesome.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, at the very end, a sister comes up to me, and an older sister comes up to me, because I talked about... There was one experience, this may be one of the stories that, you know, we used to have potlucks for converts, right? It was called a... call it potlucks, right? And we it'd be we have something called the fishbowl. So we come up with a particular topic and we have three seats, two people sitting in two seats, you leave one seat empty. And then we bring up an issue like, um, you know, the new Muslim Muslim woman fasting in Ramadan, where non-Muslim- Major major issue, yeah. So I would play like, quote unquote, I wanna say devil's advocate, but I would play the antagonist. So what do you do, right? The people that are sitting in the audience cannot speak. If anyone wants to speak, they have to get up and sit in that chair, that empty chair. And one of the people have to go and sit down. Mm-hmm. What do you do? If a car wants to say something, they got to get up and speak. Right. And if not, they're benefiting from hearing the, mm-hmm. district, the arguing that all this is good because as long as you have someone, a person of knowledge there that can kind of tone it down and moderate it, it's, it's, it always comes out an excellent experience for people. Um. So subhanAllah, that's what we had at the potluck. And then we have like a small little lecture by someone that's converted or, you know, we call them a renewed Muslim, right? So during this potluck, uh, and this is what I mentioned in the in the Convert course seminar as well. Uh, I remember two women came at the beginning, you know, you know, they were wearing hijab, they had earrings and, you know, one had like dreads and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, uh, near the end, one of them comes up to me because one of them that, that walked up to me, she's like, "Assalamualaikum, how are you? And then her friend didn't say anything. So near the end, one of them comes up to me and she brings that same friend. She's holding her and she's like, um, she wants to become Muslim. I'm like, oh, great. Mashallah, that's good. So uh, the sister, one of the sisters was there and then the sister was like, um, you know, uh, I think that that's her, you know, that's her girlfriend. Right. I said, uh, I, don't know, I don't know. Right. So then I said, uh, we'll, let's see. So we, you know, we, 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 we you know, pronounce the Shahada for the sister. As soon as a sister took her Shahada, they hugged each other. You knew that there was, it was like, it was a relationship. Right. So then one sister was like, can we do that? Is that allowed? Are they allowed to become Muslim? I said, this is the actualization of Iraqi. And now look, we've learned it in the books. Are we saying that because she is of that orientation, she has no right to Islam? Mm-hmm. And that's a light bulb hit the sisters like, wow, I've learned this so much, but seeing it actualized and actually practicing it is something totally different. So when I mentioned this in the Convert Coaches Seminar, an elderly lady came up to me, she's like, how would you allow that? Mm-hmm. How would you allow someone you know, of that orientation A lot to of me?
0: people in the audience who are walking are probably asking the same question.
4: Oh yes. yeah, I know. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I, love, I loved it because I was like, I asked her, "What's what's the most, what's the the worst sin?" And she said, well, "Sure." But she said, "But this is a sin." well. So I said, no, "I'm not saying it's not a sin." Yeah. But there has to be. What's the the, the strongest medicine for this sin? For the sin. Tawheed. Wow. Right. So we have to start somewhere. And this is the sin. We're not we're not acknowledging that. But imagine if I said, "You cannot become Muslim because you are."
1: Mm-hmm.
4: How is that going to call it to Islam? And then she stopped. She said, mm, la, la yeah, maybe, maybe. I said, just <laughs> think about it. Just think about it, sister. Just think about it. Right. So these experiences, subhanAllah, and that's where I love dealing with converts as well, you know, and youth as well, because it it activates that tohid that is in our dormant in our hearts sometimes. When we activate it by really just in Dawah in general, you know, you realize, wow, this person. There may be some confusion there, but they still have a right over me, right? Exactly. So, that's something that is uh, that's one story that that was that was amazing, um, you know. For sheikh,
0: me- you know, sheikh, honestly, you're a very chill man, man. You're such a down to earth person, and you're such an easygoing person, you know. And yeah. when you're on the when you're on the yaqeen um live, you're kind of a little bit too tight, you know, gotta loosen up a little bit. You, you and sheikh Omar are like, you know, just you gotta loosen up. You guys, you guys, I mean you have such an amazing personality, and you know Sheikh Omar also has a great personality. But you know we, he's exactly. an elder to us. But mashallah, and today I I, I watch you on the lives. I'm like, man, Sheikh, he's, he's I mean, he just came out of the gym. He's too tight, but then, you know he's <laughs> too fit there. But man, you know Moaz, Muaz, Muaz Alvi, because you brought it up. You always said, yo, you know, know Sheikh Abdullah. You have to invite him to Miftah. No, he always spoke about I like I was like. I watch him. He's knowledgeable. He's very into, like amusing, and he can he can relate to people. But now I see you on the ground. How I converts will love you? Why youth will love you? Why mm-hmm. and the community that you're in and Dallas is so lucky to have you? Mm-hmm. I was following one of your fundraisers, and you were having for the masjid or something. One of your community mm-hmm. may Allah make us successful, and I mm-hmm. hope we share that masjid link or someone can share that masjid link where you're imam, so people can support your mosque. I, If I lived in Dallas, I would come to your mosque because yes. it's, it's, your personality is so cool. Like like I'm saying, like, you are such a chill, relaxed person and a knowledgeable person, relatable person. And this is what our crowd is looking for. Like we have scholars who are not so relatable. We have scholars who can speak and then they won't be seen until they come back to speak again. You are, mashallah, such a genuine person. And everything that you said, Sheikh Abdullah, I was, I'm just amazed very, very by your personality, by your how, I mean, it does go back to your hip hop culture, you know, like you're, you're back in the days, gangster, mentality, <laughs> you know, like nothing intimidates you. You like to work with everyone, you know, you can stand in the face of the storm. And then at the same time, I think you have that background, like, Umar radiAllahu anhu used to say, "Those who didn't taste jahiliya will not enjoy haq." So you know what it takes to bring youth together, because you you chill with youth so much, you know, and you you you've been in those areas that we most probably haven't been in. So Sheikh Abdullah, I honestly want to really thank you for joining us, and uh, <laughs> I, like always, we've heard so much about you tonight. I enjoyed like as if I'm sitting in your presence. Like I know right. we're live, but I I kind of I felt. I felt that your your nearness, your amazing knowledge, your ability to connect with us. and may Allah preserve you, and that community, whoever whoever community you're in, they're so lucky to have you. So mm-hmm. lucky to have you. And Yaqeen Institute is so fortunate to have you on their on their team. No wonder every every big organization tries to tap into your p- potential because it, you are a gem. You are a gem. <laughs> it's a big deal, man. we didn't even talk about Medina. If we go yeah. to this, <laughs> in "Medina, you're going to you're going to make me love you even more. You know, you study, and it's just like it, I, I don't care what you studied in Medina, and but you lived in Medina and you have this knowledge in Medina. Already, already, I already love you." One person That's said good. to me, "I just love every scholar studying Medina." I said, "Why?" He said, like, "He studied in Medina." <laughs> like, he's like, "He like what?" Like, like I was like, "Okay, okay, fine. How about if he's not knowledge?" He was like, studying in Medina." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like "Can you get better than Medina?" I was like, "That's yeah, true. Like Medina is Medina." And when I meet students of University of Medina and they come out, I have so many friends that come out. Mashallah, man. It's just, <laughs> just being able to pray there and be there in the scholarship. May Allah bless you, Abdullah. May Allah keep you healthy with iman and taqwa. I didn't get yeah. to ask you something about your children. How many kids do you have?
4: I have four. I have four, alhamdulillah. Yeah, I, well.
0: I love asking names. If you don't feel uh, I'm invading your privacy, what are their beautiful names?
4: No, no, no. Mashallah, Ma'ad is 16. I'm already 16-year-old
1: shit?
4: Yeah, 16-year-old.
1: How does that work?
4: I mean, I just gotta stay on them. Make sure what you do is you have a, uh, I don't know where it is, my famous spray bottle of water. <laughs> if they they already know if I'm if I'm opening the door, I'm counting to five for Fudger. I'm Oh I don't have to spray it anymore, I just shake it.
1: Yeah, they <laughs> <laughs>
4: So that's the summary of the 16 year old boy, mashallah, Tabarakallah. Just being around him, you know what I'm saying, and making sure that he he knows what being a man really means, you know. And And my 13 year old boy, uh, mashallah, Omar, and then uh, Ottawa. She has, yeah, Ottawa, yeah. She's a spinning image of me. She has her own YouTube channel and loves speaking and baking and all this kind of stuff.
1: Wow. How old is she?
4: She's 10.
0: And she has a
4: YouTube channel. Yeah, she likes to read books to kids. Yeah,
0: mashallah. And the subscription over there. Yeah,
4: yeah. And then we have Ibrahim, who's seven, and he's like a mixture. Ma- of all.
0: Mashallah, beautiful, beautiful. So what happened? You were doing Sahaba, Sahaba, and all of a sudden you went a Prophet name. Is that was there like a debate in that?
4: Uh, no, because I wanted Maaf, and then my wife was like, "Okay, I'm taking over." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> we, we, we well, I I kind of snuck in, Omar. Okay. She said, "No, I'm taking the daughter." Arwa and Ibrahim, خلاص. <laughs> you know,
0: Ibrahim. I was just going to Shira Ibn Hisham for some reading. Ibrahim it means a uh, Rab Rahim. Ibrahim, Rab Rahim, beautiful, like uh, like Rahim, no. Mercy no. the Lord. And and Mashallah, you have beautiful names and beautiful children. May Allah SWT protect them, preserve yeah. them, yeah. and make. The coolness of your eyes, not only the children that wake up for Fajr, but wake up the world from darkness to guidance. May Allah make them amongst those people. Inshallah.
4: I mean, I mean, you brothers, Mashallah. Your brothers, Mashallah. is beautiful. I mean, I love Miftak, Mashallah, uh, when I heard about it in the beginning, Mashallah, and then just seeing, I just love the fact of brothers coming together and teaching the knowledge to people, and then just when they see you, they see, they see the end, and I just love how it's come up, you know, with the the collaboration with different people of knowledge. I think it's very, very important. It's a beautiful thing and people appreciate the knowledge and bringing back the tarath al-ilmi. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you brothers for being consistent in that. And most importantly, more than y'all, just with respect, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve preserve your father and mother, man. Like Mm -hmm. your mother, your mother, your mother, your mother, your mother. I know what it's it's like. I don't know what it's like. You know, but may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have, you know, mercy on your mother, man. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve her. I never met her, don't know her, but you know, when seeing you all, I immediately, you know, uh, you know, make dua for the mother and the father, you know, Subhanallah, one of the sheikhs that I met here in Dallas, as soon as he told me that was his father, he knows who he is. As soon as he told me that was my dad, I left the brother, I left him and I went straight to his father and I asked him, please, can I just have five minutes of your time to sit with you? I want to ask you a couple of questions because I want to know what it's like, you know, when having a father, you know that's that's Mashallah has raised a son like that. So may Allah subhanahu preserve, preserve your mother and your father, your family, inshallah, and keep you all in doing this beautiful, beautiful work for the right cause, inshallah. Inshaallah. Shaykh. Shaykh.
0: mufti you're
1: farewell, Shaykh. Wa alaikum. khair, man. farewell, inshallah. We'll be seeing you soon again, inshaallah.
4: Inshaallah. Allah right. bless you. Thank you so I
1: much. Allah, you. Allah
0: bless you and Amin to all me
4: um, and is the
1: Intensive?
0: Yeah, I just want to um remind the audience of our Sira intensive. The the link was shared above. Uh we are only a week away, uh like nine days away from the Sira Intensive. It's a December twentieth to December twenty-sixth, uh online. If you want to if you can't afford it, just uh, message us, email us at admin at If we can type that out, if you don't mind typing admin at uh, for you know, if just in case you're a student or you think you have like five members that want to join, you want a special discount. We're not, I mean, we'll really appreciate your, your purchasing of the ticket and the money will be used for the education of others. But inshallah, either way, um, don't feel shy to reach out to us if you need any form of sponsorship or scholarship. Um, so this is uh, December 20th to December 26th Sirah intensive. We will learn the Sirah of the Prophet sallallahu And we also have a kid's version. And the kid's Sirah is just three hours a day, hour and a half, hour and a half, taught by youth to the children so we can relate to them. And that will also happen so your kids can also be engaging in learning the Sirah. Imagine father, mother, or elders, Learning the sirah and the children are also learning the sirah of the Prophet. ﷺ. So that that also gives a a you know a family dinner time discussion. Sirah, I mean learning about the Prophet. ﷺ. What better way to spend your winter break? And especially in COVID, where everything is practically uh, limited and travel has been limited, restricted, come out with the knowledge of the Prophet. ﷺ. So inshallah, I hope the audience that has been watching us has already registered or has intention to register. Even if you don't, um, you want to uh, watch for a few hours or sometimes in the week, you're free, you have time, you are more than welcome to learn. It will be recorded. So if you're working during the day, you can watch it at night. All these sessions will be recorded in the archive. So hopefully we will be together for seven days. It's a different experience, honestly. You, there's something to talk about the Prophet on Juma'ah for half an hour and then, you know, go back to work. Imagine studying it for like seven days, seven hours a day. You just start to swim in the Prophet's seerah and you just you get addicted to it. You really get addicted to it. Inshallah, you will feel that feeling when you study it. Um, then we also have uh, a class tomorrow that's about pre-marriage uh, lesson, like what you should know before marriage. That's a free class tomorrow on Saturday. Please learn about it, especially if you're not married. And if you're married, tough luck deal with what you have and be happy and content. Pray for each other, stay happy, be loyal, forgive each other for their mistakes and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for muhabba and istiqama. This is it. You got one chance, you're married, no going back. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us and our families and our relationship and save us from the temptations of our nafs and shaitan and from the evil eye. Um, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for all of our shortcomings. Thank you so much, everyone. For joining. Inshallah, we will see you next Friday and keep us in your prayers. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.